0: Hello and welcome to The Staffing Show, the only podcast that delivers tools, tips, and tactics from the staffing and recruiting industry's top executives and thought leaders. This episode is brought to you by Staffing Referrals, the only automated referral management platform chosen by smart staffing firms. Tired of wasting money on traditional job boards? Sick of reminding recruiters about promoting your referral program? Wish you could eliminate admin work spent tracking referrals and scheduling interviews? That's where Staffing Referrals comes in. Imagine transforming your entire talent pool into digital recruiters on behalf of your company. Think about how happy you'll make your team by eliminating wasted time spent tracking referrals and scheduling interviews. There's a reason that staffing referrals is one of the fastest growing software platforms in our industry. It's because staffing executives want to scale faster by automating recruiting processes. It's because with staffing referrals, you can actually see an ROI. And it's because our world is now more digital than ever, and your candidates expect you to keep up. Don't get passed by the competition. Stop missing referrals and start recruiting smarter. Get Staffing Referrals and improve your tech staff today. To claim one free month, visit www.staffingreferrals.com slash show. That's staffingreferrals.com slash show.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Staffing Show. Today, I am super excited to be joined with Angela Alberti, who is the Chief Business Officer and Co-Founder of my Base Pay. Angela, why don't you give us a little intro about yourself and how you got into the staffing industry?
2: Hey, David. I'm really excited to be on the show today. I've heard some of the podcasts and it's an honor to be able to share this platform with you. And I think my story of how I found myself within the staffing industry is probably consistent with 99% of others. It's just an industry that finds you and sucks you in. For the most part of your career, because no one grows up and says, I'm going to be a recruiter, or I'm going to be an account manager, I'm going to try to figure out how to run through the complexities of human capital, it really lands on your plate. And that's exactly how it happened with me. When I graduated school, over 10 years ago, I went in through there's an easy point of entry when it comes to staffing and recruiting, I don't think that that's anything new for anyone. And I found a gig at a staffing agency. I was going business to business, dropping off bags of cookies, trying to get myself settled into an account manager role. And I was terrible at it. (laughs) In fact, it's the only job that I've been let go of. But I ended up finding through my network of referrals, a company by the name of TFI Resources that specialized in the back office component and the employer complexities for temporary contract project-based staff. So staffing agencies would outsource their back office to a company like TFI Resources. And that's where I got my stride. I spent the majority of my career actually specializing within the back office space for contingent workers. Fast forward to a couple of years, that company was then acquired by the largest employer of record platform out there by the name of People 2 I grew up in the ranks and became... The vice president of the North American division there. And it was a wonderful experience at a great company. And then I left them at the end of 2019 and had this wonderful opportunity come up to start my base pay in the middle of a pandemic. And here we are a couple of years later, actually having launched fully as a business nine months after our public inception. So it's been an interesting ride.
1: That is incredible. And I love that your career started with, all right, well, it didn't make it to this role, but let's keep going. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's hilarious. MyBasePay looks like a really interesting platform. I know your tagline is that you're a contingent workforce platform that puts talent first. Why don't you tell me a little bit about kind of what problem MyBasePay solves for your customers?
2: So I think it's a matter of defining the customer, right? Really, our customer comes down to anyone who places people on a temporary basis. A large part of that is the staffing and recruiting industry. The one differentiator that I feel that our platform offers is right from the tagline that you read. It's placing the contingent talent first. So if we look at the temporary work sector, as you probably know, it's been on the rise for the last several decades. Ever since the recession of 2008, it's been steadily increasing. And we're now finding ourselves in this really interesting, pivotal time where the pandemic has almost increase the need or the anticipation of what is going to be the contractor work segment. So some studies indicate that one out of every two workers in America within the next five years is going to be a contingent worker. So those that have a defined set length of time, and this could be attributed to a multitude of things. It's maybe what the pandemic has done to shift the mindset and the priorities behind the worker and what they want to fulfill in their life. It's also that flexibility and that skill-based hiring that a lot of these enterprise organizations are demanding for. But it's right in line with what MyBase Pay does, and it's prioritizing the experience for that temporary wage worker. Because let's be honest, they often—and I've said this before—they often get treated as second-class workers. So we wanted to change the notion on that while providing some of the benefits that many different-sized organizations don't necessarily have. The bandwidth and the infrastructure to oversee. So to have an ongoing temp and contract department, there's a considerable amount of time investment, and more so than anything, the incalculable risk of liability that you have to extend to that type of workforce. And that's where a company like MyBase Pay comes in. We handle everything from the time that a temporary worker has been identified, so the onboarding, the timesheet collections, the timesheet chasing, the payroll, the benefits, the benefits offering. Even the invoicing on the collections to the end client for the staffing agency, there's certainly a funding component to what we do. So it really is a turnkey solution for agencies out there that are looking to capitalize on this
1: movement of temp and contract work. That's incredible. And it sounds like you've got a pretty full platform there. And kind of to get a little bit of a framework for that, all of our listeners in terms of how big you guys are and what's going on, why don't you tell a little bit about kind of the size and growth of your software company?
2: we are babies. We just launched as of March of this year. Like I mentioned earlier, I was in a position just personally speaking, I left at what was the height of my career at a very large company, because I kind of went through this trip and Central America. And I was like, what the heck am I doing with my life? And I'm in this <laughs> unique position, and I just entirely walked away. And I was like, I'm gonna try to be a stay at home mom for a little while. And then I quickly realized that's never anything I want to do. I'm supposed to be in the world of work, because I was suddenly found myself being a stay-at-home mom, left my career in the middle of a pandemic. This opportunity rolled around. I remember my mom saying, no, 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 don't do it. Go back, go back to the big company. And my husband's like, you got to do it. So we did it and we launched and started creating the framework of what is the platform. I want to say like 30 days after the pandemic started. So what an interesting time to try to launch a new business when it feels like we're going through an apocalyptic time like it was from so many of us in the height of 2020. But we went ahead and we built the blueprint behind our tech platform and the infrastructure and the operational oversight in most of what was 2020 and some of the first quarter of 2021. We launched as a business officially in March of 2021. Since then, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of growth, most of which has been organic because we haven't really devoted much of a budget to marketing. So it's been maybe 42 different agencies that have set up to utilize our platform. We have several hundred contractors within our system all over the United States, in parts of APAC, Canada, Latin America, and some that have had the opportunity to go through our system in Europe. And we are currently pushing at a run rate of about 29 million in revenue for our business and that's not considering what lies ahead before we hit that official one-year mark. So it's been one heck of a ride.
1: That is incredible. Usually I ask for year-over-year growth, but I think it sounds like you got just first-year growth. That's pretty incredible. And one of the things Good you year. just commented on there, and I know we were talking about this right before, but not only did you do start this in the middle of a pandemic as a parent, but you are also currently pregnant and are expecting, how do you handle all of those challenges? I look at my <laughs> own career no children. I'm like, I can barely keep my plants alive while managing all of the things. But how do you handle all of the components? What's your secret?
2: I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. (laughs) But you know, I just think it's just one step at a time. I found out I was pregnant with our second baby the month that we went public in terms of the market. So my pregnancy is right in line with how long we've launched as a business. And I think what makes a very big difference, and this is for women everywhere, is being able to have a strong support system, both personally and professionally. This happened to be a pregnancy where I was really not feeling good for like the first half of the pregnancy. So we have a really strong team environment that was conducive and understanding to that. And also, I have a very strong family unit with a mom down the street and lots of family coming in and out of our home. And a lot of that makes it really... Attainable to be able to go through all of these and growths, both professionally and personally. But yeah, it's certainly been interesting. And now it's at a point where, you know, we're expecting our baby boy at any point in time, maybe during this show, maybe not. No, probably not.
1: <laughs> it would be hands down the most exciting show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I won't do that to you, David. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> kind of jumping back a little bit, you mentioned that one in two people will be potentially contract workers the next few years. And really what you guys are doing is focusing on the contingent work or the temp worker directly. Do you have any examples of kind of like what you guys are doing differently or how you're changing the candidate experience through your platform?
2: Absolutely. I love this question because it sounds so typical from a startup being like it's our differentiator. But we really created this platform with the notion to be that advocate for the temporary worker, knowing that this is a rapidly growing segment and some of the things that we are implementing will hopefully become a standardized notion for workers like it is for an FTE, maybe a benefits plan that can actually make a difference in their life. So we invested heavily on their experience and the benefits plans that we attach to it. So we've been able to create a pricing matrix that's inclusive of this mantra. So our workers within the temporary work sector, if they get onboarded and employed by us, they start accruing pay time off From day one. So they're actually able to take time off and get paid for it. And as I mentioned, it's not a radically different notion, but it certainly is in the temporary working world. That's not something that you usually have access to unless it's statutorily mandated by a certain locality. So we created a standardized pay time off program for every single worker through our system. We've also invested heavily with, and shout out to our health insurance brokers at Pandela. A health insurance plan that I mentioned can actually make a difference in the life of a temporary wage worker. So these plans start at $50 a week. They are through one of the largest major medical options out there with the Cigna network. There's robust plan offerings. And then we prioritize their experience and really put in line what is the most effective way that we can get them on board quicker with minimal time or oversight be that point of contact, as wonderful as tech is, we are in the space of human capital, and there has to be a human element behind what we do. So there's a sense of urgency and over willingness, I guess, to maintain that customer service aspect and know that they have a point of contact that they can go to when it comes to their drug screening questions or their benefits plan or anything of that notion. So I think it just starts with the benefits, and it goes from there on really just caring about the optimal experience for
1: them. That's amazing. And with that, I mean, I know with where things are at with the talent shortage, it's different than it. We've had a talent shortage for a long time in a lot of verticals, but it's really different now, I think, than it has been in previous times with expectations changing significantly for workers across, I think, every industry. What are you kind of seeing in terms of expectations for the contingent workforce and what they really expect from an employer record?
2: I think a lot of this is really aligned with what my outlook is on the future of work. I think that's a term that we hear so much. Anyone within the space, the future of work, and what does that mean like for you? To me, one of the fundamental aspects of the future of work is really routed in two different areas. Number one, as I mentioned, it's the notion to prioritize the worker. It's never, there's never been an easier time than now for somebody to go online and find a plethora of job opportunities within seconds. So it's a very pivotal time. And this notion that it's a candidate-driven market, they are 100% in the driver's seat and we could still be singing the same tune in five years or 10 years from now. There's this shift that's happening to prioritize their experience, but also to enhance it by technology. If you can find the perfect equation on prioritizing the temporary wage worker, aligning them with benefits that can actually make a difference in their life, knowing that they have a plethora of job opportunities available to them. And that's only probably going to be enhanced more through the various diversifications that we see happening in staffing. And now we have online platforms like Upwork and and so many different changes and impacts to that, but also enhancing that experience through the technology behind your model. I think those are the ones that are going to be acutely aligned for what we can see happening in the future of work. And that is what is going to be successful and hopefully a priority for the employee in the future.
1: Absolutely. And you've touched on quite a few different ways that you can improve the candidate experience, the temporary worker experience. Add a note here from conversations we've had about how you can look at your employment of record as a revenue generating source. And I know, obviously, driving some of these benefits is probably going to help with the retention, renewals, but are there any specific comments that you have about how your employment record actually can drive more revenue for you?
2: Yeah, well, you touched on one of them, and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to create the benefits model is it's great for the worker, but there's a certain level of competitive advantage that I love seeing that our staffing agencies have access to, knowing that they can compete with a Ronstad down the street or a Robert Half. When it comes to their own curation of a talent pool strategy, because we provide co-branded flyers for them and just information that really allows them to be able to sell this benefits enhanced program offering with a white label type of service. Aside from that, there's a big shift, and I'm sure you guys have heard of it, with direct sourcing and what is the direct sourcing movement. And if you've opened up any staffing industry analyst newsletter or... Anything that's happening or relevant within this, you've heard the phrase direct sourcing, and it's basically where an enterprise company looks to create internal practices to identify their own talent pool of temporary talent. And if I'm a staffing agency owner, that's a huge question mark. That's going to be like, well, what the heck is happening? But just like with so many other different adjustments within the industry, now I wasn't around for when the job boards came to the market, like the Monsters and the Career Builders of the world in the early 2000s. But then you look at the VMS and the MSP impact in 2008 and 2005s, and how they've constantly had to pivot and readjust themselves. And now there are certain rumblings of direct sourcing and what is automation going to do to the recruiting industry? This is going to be another area for them to evolve from and really look to create another revenue stream through a potential employer of record platform so they can go to their client and be a managed direct sourcing platform with an EOR arm that allows them to basically payroll an existing arm of internally identified candidates and have that other added revenue stream. So that's just one example, along with the benefits that we look to be beyond just an EOR, but what can we really help do for our staffing agencies as we're evolving into this rapidly changing world of work?
1: Yeah, that's great. And actually, that's the next topic I was going to bring up was the direct sourcing side of things. And I think you brought up a few kind of best practices there. But do you have any specific stories, use cases for direct sourcing, things that you see working well, any kind of things that you would recommend staffing agencies take a look at?
2: Yeah, in terms of use cases, I don't. And I think it's because we're so green. Everyone is really trying to figure out, you know, I think the enterprise organizations themselves in that initial construct of how. To create a best direct sourcing platform. What I can say is that there's great technology tools out there for staffing agencies to consider when it comes to how they can evolve and capitalize on the direct sourcing movement. I think it's kind of segmented into three different areas. One of them we already discussed the employer of Record Arm. Say if you're a staffing agency, you already have a temporary wage worker base. But you want to protect your burdens. For example, maybe you were in the white collar sector, but you have a client that has light industrial needs on the direct sourcing front. You can utilize an employer of record as a third party to protect and limit your liability while still taking advantage of that line of business. The second part would be what can you do to help lend some consulting oversight when it comes to curation strategies that your client will be needing on the direct sourcing front? Essentially, at the end of the day, It's almost an element of teaching them what has helped you be successful. It's also knowing that no matter, regardless of how successful a direct sourcing platform is going to be, you're never going to be able to fill 100% of the roles that you have. In fact, the enterprise is probably only going to be able to fill the ones that are easiest to fill. So if you can create a strategy to align whatever your specialization is around those harder to fill roles then you can still be that trusted aligned partner that's providing a curation strategy, but also reliability around the roles that they are probably not going to be as successful in filling. The third part is the tech platform. So the sourcing that you would need, you know, there's great companies out there like LiveHire that have really made their platform available to staffing agencies as well. Take a look at them. They're available to both the direct sourcing enterprise client, but also the staffing agency. And see how that attraction and the sourcing of those type of talents is being pulled through a platform like that. It's certainly something to consider because it's also knowing what kind of technology is at the forefront through the direct sourcing movement and also available to staffing agencies.
1: It is amazing to me to think. talk to a lot of staffing agency owners who are looking at their database and saying, yeah, we've got this database of 150,000 candidates. And yet all of our candidates that we are placing right now are coming from job boards that we sourced in the last three weeks. And it's like, why are you not using the <laughs> you might be able to fill most of the positions you have with the network you've currently built over the years? So it's kind of a I always yeah, see this like a, yeah, using the assets you have within your company already. One other really cool thing about my base pay and kind of what you've already done, Angela, in such a short time as well, is I know you're recently featured in Forbes and also that you at the SIA conference. Was this at Giggy? Yeah. The Shark Tank, where they had the Shark Tank startup competition. I know that you guys got the Shark Tank startup of the year at SIA's conference. And I would just love to know, like, why do you think you won that? And what was the premise behind it?
2: I think a large part of why we even got the nomination was just because of the growth that we have seen. And we've been able to evidence for, they were probably thinking, I remember I did the submission for the competition. This company has been around for six months and they have <laughs> yes. rapidly grown. We have got to see what they are about. We ended up winning the audience favorite that day. So we actually didn't take the award that's judged by the sharks, but it was pretty cool to see that we were voted the audience favorite. And I think that we were able to get that recognition because number one, as we mentioned, the amount of growth that we've had and so quickly of a time frame. Number two, it's really lending ourselves during the presentation to be the advocate for the contingent worker, the one that recognizes the need and the demand for the market in this candidate-driven market to say, we want to represent them. We don't want to just look at cost-cutting saving measures for the enterprise client. We want to be the one that's actually going to be successful to lend itself to a successful contingent workforce management program that can optimize retention, loyalty, and productivity because of an enhanced worker experience. And thirdly, I think what really helped us that day was talking about the makeup of our team. I mean, we come from all different kinds of walks of life. I mean, we're minority, we're majority female. I was, maybe it helped, maybe it didn't, but I was seven months pregnant on that stage talking about (laughs) my base pay. We're veteran-led. And these are all things that we really prioritize on the makeup of our team. It's just hopefully being a representation of so many different walks of life that we feel is true. We've been staffing agency owners reading through 40-page MSP contracts. We've been independent contractors on 45-day payment terms. We've been payroll processors talking to a temporary wage worker who, you know, it's a very delicate conversation to say, you don't have any PTO. Take pay time off and try to find a way to make ends meet during Thanksgiving or Christmas, so we've seen it, and we're about it, and we hope to represent that and I think that really helped win some level of recognition that day
1: that's incredible. It sounds like you kind of had a good finger on the pulse of what the temp workers need and how to make their lives a little bit better. I mean I know we've talked about a few of the major trends in staffing and kind of the shift contingent or contract, a lot of online staffing and the direct sourcing. when you kind of zoom all the way out and look at Where you see staffing and kind of HR going in the next three to five years, what do you think is going to change? What do you think is going to stay the same?
2: Well, I think that's a great question. That's going to let me sit back and ponder on that. I think that HR, and I don't want to be the boogeyman in the room, HR and compliance is going to have to prepare itself for perhaps a more rigid structure under what we can expect to see perhaps change with the current administration. And also in recognizing that we are now dealing with a globalized workforce. So if you need to payroll somebody in India, how the heck are you going to do that and stay compliant or really lend itself to this, not to beat a dead horse because everyone talks about it, but work from home lifestyle. So there's going to be a lot of preparatory measures needed from a compliance oversight and a cultural oversight to not be an inhibitor to what is happening at a global remote working world level. and. Secondly, it's capitalizing on the technology that's going to enhance that process for HR professionals and for staffing professionals. Like I mentioned earlier, it feels like AI and automation have somehow, and you probably know this, there's this level of notoriety that kind of takes with it with the staffing industry in general. It's like this boogeyman that is going to replace and extinct what Mm -hmm. is the recruiter, but it's not the case at all. We can actually look to enhance and make their lives so much easier and eliminate redundant processes and let them actually build this rapport and human element to what they're doing in so many different ways. And that's what I feel like are going to be the two major areas that we can look to see and really prepare for. Not to mention knowing that there's 10 million job openings out there and there's an unemployment rate that continues to go down. And what are you going to be doing to position your company from the Great Resignation and start applying the Great Retention Strategy to your organization.
1: That. Yeah, that actually leads me into the next comment. Is I saw a note about the inventory, candidate inventory, in the age of online marketplaces and how you're sourcing, where you're sourcing from. Are there any specific trends that you've seen to make sure that you do have the candidate inventory in place? It could be going back to direct sourcing, but is there anything related to that that you think you'd like to comment on?
2: Had the opportunity to interview Terry Gallagher who is somebody that has been wonderful within the space. And she's led large MSP programs. And it's almost a deconstruction of what the typical contingent workforce management program consists of. I forget how she says it, but it's time to diversify. Like You start shifting and implementing different ways of finding talent as much as possible. It's the online platform's It's the typical staffing agency makeup. It is the referral maximization, which I know you guys know all about. And it's really looking at things through a different lens, direct sourcing, online platforms, staffing agencies, perhaps doing away with the typical BMS and MSP model, which has really, in some cases, some would say has reached antiquated levels, not to offend anyone (laughs) out there. But truly, there's so many great organizations out there that are coming into play, like partnering with staffing agencies. There's companies like the Mom Project, and as we know, Fiverr and Upwork. And what are you really doing to enhance the diversification of your approach by channeling all of these wonderful new options that are out
1: there now? And kind of leading into that is how are you or how would you suggest companies capitalize on the partner economy and kind of looking at You mentioned the Mom Project, these online staffing platforms. Do you have any suggestions for our listeners in terms of how to capitalize on the partner economy?
2: Ah, So yeah, the partner economy is something a little bit different. And it's not just a way to tap into various platforms or perhaps avenues of talent identification. But it's something that we coined as a way for staffing agencies to actually work with one another when it comes to filling requisitions so many times, like, You are given a requisition that you don't have a specialty in or you don't necessarily have the priority or needs or skill set or expertise to fill for. But you may know somebody that does and it really is tying requisition owner to candidate owner and to one mix so that you can absolutely capitalize on what is at the end of the day, satisfying the client and filling the role. So we created, and it's still in its very early pilot phases, what is called the marketplace. We have so many different agencies that are utilizing our platform and being able to facilitate the orders or the roles that they need assistance with and tying them to other agencies that have a specialization in that space so that they can put more people to work.
1: I love it. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump into kind of the personal set of questions here. Learn a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are. And one question that I've actually heard you ask, I don't know if you've answered it. I've not been able to listen to all your podcasts, but what is the worst job you've ever had?
2: What is the worst job that I've ever had? Probably that staffing agency job for nine months when I graduated college. It was terrible. You know, I was going door to door and trying to figure out my way professionally. But isn't that funny that now that I'm in this space, I think everything that you line up for is for a reason. So I'm grateful for it. But I was pretty terrible at it too, I think.
1: It is funny. I feel like some of the times when you feel like you're in the worst spot, it's frequently where you're learning the most about yourself and where you want to go next. So that's, that's great what advice do you wish you were given before entering this industry?
2: Wow, that's a good question. What advice do I wish I was given before entering this industry? I would say that there has to be a level of compassion and empathy into what you're doing. We are in an industry that is so focused on the bottom line. And so oftentimes, we find ourselves in this golden handcuff situation because I think there's this misconception that staffing industry makes just so much money. I mean, if you look at what is the takeaway on all of the work that has to go into identifying candidates, it's not a very lucrative or profitable business. It can be, certainly, but I've seen it so driven off of margin and what is the ultimate bottom line. My advice to myself would be just ring true to the compassion and empathy of the people that you're placing out there and the people that you're trying to help that are placing those same people. And that'll be the ultimate guide to success. I think if you're doing the right thing for the right people with the worker in mind, with all parties that are involved, you can truly find success in this world.
1: I absolutely love that. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life?
2: These are some good questions. I feel like I needed to prepare myself. Well, new belief or habit. I would say it's all about the habits for me. You find yourself as an executive or a co-founder of a company. And if you can really maintain the organizational oversight that you need to stay alive and survive every single day, then you are in a great spot. And part of that for me is absolute dedicated time blocks to follow up. Maintaining your calendar, As a very fundamental element of what I'm doing every single day, making sure that there's a proper way to track activity and all of the different notes that I have with so many different things going on. And there is no magic response to how to best organize your life. It really is so subjective. But if you can find a good stride behind it, then I think that that'll help out a lot. So that's probably what I've learned most in the last five years.
1: Absolutely. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? Can could be an investment of money, time, energy, etc.
2: The most worthwhile investment I have ever made is the time in my marriage. <laughs> I mean, because it's led to uh, wonderful financial investments, spiritual investments, business endeavors, that foundation in my partner and my husband and I's life has helped me in every single aspect of what I do.
1: That is wonderful. (laughs) That's a good answer.
2: Yeah. The better. I mean, we're in a startup and I have a baby on the way, right? So,
1: (laughs) Is your husband working side by side with you in it?
2: No, no. My husband is in real estate. So he's got properties and commercial buildings and all kinds of things happening in his world right now. He's there as a moral support, I guess you could say. (laughs) It definitely great, has that. been there, at least this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. What is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why?
2: I know that this is probably a business, but there's a spiritual element to what I do. And it's probably been linked to, more on a personal note, different ways that you can find yourselves at a spiritual level. I am a big believer in that. And I am a Christian. Sometimes, you know, as a young Christian, you try to read through the Bible and you have no idea what the heck you're doing. So there's many different books I've given for that. And then actually there's at a business level, this one that was recommended to me that I've loved, The Fountainhead. And it's been wonderful for me. It kind of provides some light. It was actually published back in the 50s. And it's great from the level of providing a model and guiding belief on business. But it's an interesting example of how they
1: recanted
2: through the book. So definitely recommending this one. It's the one I'm currently reading, The Fountainhead by Ian Rand.
1: Awesome. Last question. What is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Unusual (laughs) habit or absurd thing that I love. I don't know if it's quite as absurd. I think it's kind of boring how normal I am. (laughs) there's so many people that have their different hobbies and habits. And mine is cooking as much as I can with so many different cultural backgrounds. I love doing that with my daughter. It's what we do. It's our pastime. She's three years old. She sits on the counter with me. We might be making El Salvadorian, Honduran food, or jump to Italian and she loves it. And I love it. And we have made some terrible, terrible tasting food, but have also made some really good food and have really enjoyed spending that time with one another. I think I'm making a little chef out of her. So I know that's not too absurd, but it's what I do most of the time. Most of these days it's with her on the counter and us cooking some really good food
1: together. I think that's the most beautiful answer I've had to that question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, Thank you. With that, are there any closing comments, anything that you'd like to share with our audience before we say goodbye?
2: No, David. I mean, it's been absolutely wonderful to be on your show. I definitely would love to have the opportunity to have you on our show as well. I just appreciate the opportunity to sit here with you today and go through some of these questions. My closing remarks would have to just be, we are in some very interesting times when it comes to staffing and how quickly it's evolving. And knowing that there's going to be so much changing in front of us from the worker makeup and how they have access to different opportunities and the need may come to evolve from that. And I'm happy to speak with anyone on what my two cents are on a particular topic. You know, I could be reached at Angela at or online on LinkedIn. And I just would be thrilled to have the opportunity to chat up a storm on
1: it and yeah, geek out, absolutely. as they say. And also, I highly recommend everybody check out Ivy Podcast and also My Base Pay, Angela, it's been really wonderful connecting with you today, getting to meet you, getting to know you. Thank you so much for Likewise.
2: joining Thank you so much, David. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to The Staffing Show. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at staffinghub.com to never miss an episode. Until next time.